before we get into the episode, we wanted to mention that our merch store is now live. Go to the Layer by Layer subreddit, and I'll actually say it correctly this time, uh, reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer. That's reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer. And at the top will now be a link to our merch store. We currently have t-shirts in both men's and women's sizes available for 15 US dollars or 17 euros plus shipping. And you can get them in black or this nice heather gray that I really like. I uh, really tried to keep the cost down to the lowest round number we could. This isn't about making money for the podcast, but about giving all of you this, that support us a nice way to represent the show. Uh, just got mine, and the t-shirt is super comfortable, looks great, and we hope you'll like them too. Now back to the show. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Uh, I have a question for you to ask me. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> not usually how those work, but sure. <laughs> Can you ask me what my favorite song is? Sure. Uh, okay. What's your favorite song? Twenty-five or six to four. That didn't ring the bell, man. Okay. <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. It didn't. Hold on. I, t- I take it back. I had to think about it. No bell backs. <laughs> yeah, no. I take the bell back. That did not trigger the bell. <laughs> Uh, okay well that's information you almost Um, got me for a second (laughs) (laughs) hey andrew you know what's cooler than 24 what 25 (laughs) all right fine you got me (laughs) (laughs) that was an actual bell that time that was a real bell okay hey we recorded our last show a month ago because this is august 23rd and Whoa. our last show was recorded on July 23rd. Illuminati confirmed. It's not the same day of the week, though, because that's not how months work. Unless it's February on a non-leap year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then, cool. then we could truly confirm Illuminati. Yeah, I think that would, that would be <laughs> Which we can't even do this. In the, uh, we can't even do that this February because it's a leap year. It is? Next year 2020? is? 2020? Oh, yeah. That's right. Wow. That is divisible by four. Um, <laughs> and not 100. And, and, and not 100. But, and not... Or 400. But right. something, something, something. <laughs> it's like all those rules that basically our generation never really needed to know because 2000 fits the 400 case. And so it's like, eh, just tell them if it's divisible by four, they'll die before it's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I swear, like anyone who's ever taught me like how leap years work, they just said like, oh, it's just just it's di- just check if it's divisible by four. Like, yeah, in, in the back I of mean, their minds, they were just thinking like, yeah, you know what, or you know what, their generation probably didn't even need to know it anyways themselves. Yeah, right. So, like you don't you don't need to know that anytime from nineteen hundred until twenty ninety nine. Right, and the only time I learned that there were even those exceptions was when I took an intro computer science class and had to make a function that determined <laughs> if it was a leap year or not. <laughs> I feel like I learned it from like a Vsauce video or something. Hmm. Um, he, he had some video about like calculating dates in your head so someone could like tell you a date and you could like oh, figure yeah. out what day of the week it was really quickly or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it involved rules like that. So my, 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 my parents tell me that I, I like developed rules for that when I was like five years old and was able to tell people what day of the week a certain day was on. And I don't re- know how to do it anymore. 
Um, I think I just had reference dates in my head and like knew how to jump years without changing the day of the week. Yeah, there's a general system like that where you yeah there's just a certain set of rules you follow that make it so that um you just have to have like a reference date for every 400 years because it repeats every 400 years so you're just like okay if it's in this generation or not if it's in this (laughs) set of 400 years then use this as your reference day and then just go from there (laughs) right right yeah so apparently i i like tried doing that as a small child and impressed my parents with that and completely (laughs) like forgot all the rules in my rep in my reference dates so <laughs> oops <laughs> um anyways this is layer by layer a podcast that is totally not about cubing except for the parts where it is about cubing welcome to layer by layer the show about days of the week <laughs> today is friday august 23rd oh that's Tomorrow... a great day of the week great day yeah. of the week. Oh. i mean any day we record layer by layer is a great day um the not show will be released a bit later yeah <laughs> because <laughs> i'm not gonna be able to upload it for a bit without wi-fi <laughs> oops you, know. you don't have wi-fi right now how are you talking to me i do right now but i will not tomorrow <laughs> oh that that is unfortunate wi-fi is kind of like a live stream at this point it is yeah it really is i'll have to go to like uh, somewhere else but then i won't have my computer because my computer that i like edit and upload from is a desktop computer so i can't really bring that to somewhere with wi-fi easily you think that, like, one day we can inject Wi-Fi directly into our veins? I bet you already can, but I don't know <laughs> what the point would be. <laughs> um, so that you could become a permanent wireless router? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of like those people who, like, install, uh, what are they, like, RFID chips in their hands and stuff so that they can, like, unlock doors and stuff. Have you ever yeah. heard of that? Uh, No. I mean, I definitely know that, like, that pets get that so that they can. Yeah, be like there, are, there are people lost. who have put who have put chips in their hands that they can, like, if they work at a building or something where they have to unlock the door, and it's like a reprogrammable chip, so you can just like reprogram it to unlock whatever you need to unlock, whatever you're using. Often, you can just scan things with your hand. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> if I like that. Uh I mean, I guess if you. If, say, you work, like, a really high-security job and you have to, like, enter your identification, like, a hundred times a day or something, then maybe it's worth it. Yeah, but, like, if you're working that high-security of a job, can you imagine, like, if someone was trying to break in and they, like, chopped your hand off? <laughs> like That is a risk. Uh, like, dude, just take it out of my wallet. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, you should just carry, like, a fake card around with you so that if anyone, like, tries to get in and uses your key card they're just going to think it's not working they're not going to think that you have one in your hand whereas if they mug you and you don't have a key card on you they're going to figure it out you could discuss this show on our subreddit reddit.com slash internet slash layer by layer uh and our logo was made by the wonderful sarah cook yep uh hey kid i actually uh, i have a we have this holdout in our show notes called check-in which we haven't used in a while because we stopped doing check-ins because um, oh. they're boring. So I'm using this as an announcement instead. Um, Uh-oh. Is this allowed? Uh, I'm scared. I make. I have 50% of the voting power in the management of this show. Therefore, it's allowed. Um, so <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I have a new podcast coming out soon. And by soon, I mean it's probably already out by the time this, this uh, episode is released. 
And Exciting. Yeah. It's called The Cult of the Clock Tower. It's all about the game Blood on the Clock Tower, which I have told you about. Yeah. I don't think I've told the show about yet. No. Um, but is it all right if I talk about that here a bit? Um, do we get any money? Um... Can you take yes. $20 out of your wallet and put it back into your wallet? Yes. Great. Okay, now we're a sponsor. Awesome. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks to the Cult of the Clock Tower for sponsoring this episode of Layer by Layer. Uh, this is a podcast all about the game Blood on the Clock Tower, which is a game that um, I don't have any affiliation with on any other level other than playing it and enjoying it. But it's a really great game. It's my favorite game at the moment. And... It's a cool game with a lot of stuff to talk about, and I wanted to talk about it. So I made a podcast about it. So if you want to hear more from me, you can go check that out. And also, I suggest you do check out the game because it's really good. And it's not technically actually released yet because it hasn't even shipped to people who backed the Kickstarter. But I made my own version, so (laughs) I've been playing it anyway. And yeah. So I'm guessing you definitely have endorsement from the people who made this game. Nope. How? I mean, it seems obvious. Jeez. Um, well, awesome. I've really wanted to play this game too. Um, yeah, and we we tried to like set up a Discord thing, um, but I haven't had the energy to try to organize that too hard. Um, <laughs> Oops. Um, but yeah, if you're ever at a competition, I'm playing it with some cubers after a competition, the San Diego competition that's coming up this next weekend. Yeah, it's a really good game. Uh, really yeah. fun social deduction game each episode of my podcast is talking about a different character from it oh and the first episode should be out soon yeah if you've played a game like mafia werewolf one night werewolf uh resistance avalon that kind Mm -hmm. of genre of games this is kind of from what i've from what andrew tells me this is like the uh the penultimate wait that doesn't make any sense the (laughs) uh it just sounds like such an impressive word it okay does, but it uh, means second to last i know yeah <laughs> like wait uh it's like the 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 gold standard of social deduction games we'll say i that. think so yeah 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 so uh yeah if you're into that you should definitely look it look it up and try it out yeah all right cool that's enough that's all i had to say Cool. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about Blood on the Clock Tower later, but only briefly. Um, yeah, you, you think we might want to talk about cubing stuff before we lose people? All right, all right, but but there's an actually <laughs> an even more important item of follow-up in Uh-oh. here. Okay. Uh, all right, so it's follow-up time. Do you remember when we talked about Oreos? Um, Was it about, like, the sickos that eat the cream only? No, but it sounds like you have an opinion on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I had this conversation with people a lot, and I figure maybe it happened on the podcast. But what was our what was our podcast conversation about? Was well, it like traditional versus the like white Oreos? Or? That was that was part of, that came up as part of it. I feel like it okay. was probably I don't actually remember exactly what it was about, but I do remember that at some point you were like, "I prefer the like the reverse Oreos." You said where it's like yeah. the white cookie and like a chocolate filling. Yeah, and I wanted so to good. clarify with you. Is is there actually a version with chocolate filling? Because I haven't seen that. I was at the so, store, and I was looking, and I was like, I don't see it. I don't think it exists anymore. Okay. I think it was a limited time thing they did where it was like the oops backwards Oreos. 
um, kind of like how they like do the oops all berries series <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Um, <laughs> so I, like I think they they did that as like a promotional thing several years ago, and those were the bomb. Those nice. Oreos were seriously the bomb, but I think that now all they have are just the pure white Oreos, the ones that are like the yeah still the same cream but just white cookies, vanilla or vanilla cookies mm-hmm. rather than chocolate cookies. Yeah, yeah. So. so, yeah, what got me thinking of this is I was at my grandparents' house and okay. they had the, the the white Oreos, where it's just the, the vanilla and, and normal cream, like you were saying. Yeah, and I had those, and I think I like them more than the normal Oreos. So I, I still like to... those a lot too. Um, yeah, the those I I liked. I agree. I like those better than traditional Oreos as well. Um, just because I think that the chocolate taste in the in original Oreo is such like a fake chocolate taste. Well, I also realized like the the chocolate Oreo cookies like they really get in my teeth and like oh yeah I don't know it's just like or I don't even know if they get in my teeth more but they like very obviously like stain my teeth black unless I like spend a lot of effort trying to clean them sure uh, sure whereas with the vanilla ones I don't even think I don't feel like they get in my teeth nearly as much and yeah they they, they certainly aren't noticeable if they do as much yeah for sure. Um, I, I, I probably to some extent they they like, do you, I don't know, you think they like dye the cookies like pitch black? It seems for like appearance. it, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I mean, like chocolate would really be more brown colored on its yeah. own, or like light brown. Yeah, but those are like black. Yeah, so they probably dye the cookies somewhat so that they have that black and white appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I mean that was the reason why I also like the those oreos better is just the 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 cookie tastes less fake to me yeah i agree um and the thing that i miss is the chocolate um Mm, mm -hmm. like i do i am a big fan of sort of just plain vanilla kind of desserts or like like cinnamon the spiced kind of like carrot cake like that Mm -hmm. kind of genre of dessert too yeah um but um just the still having the chocolate taste, but having the chocolate be in the cream rather than the, co- than the cookie was just so good. I really, yeah. really miss those cookies. Well, um, I'd like to try one at some point. Yeah, uh, I mean, hopefully we'll bring them back at one point. But um, I, maybe they were called Inside Out Oreos. Hmm. No, they were Uh Oh Oreos. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to uh, formally throw my support behind your support of the vanilla cookies, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, because we didn't really, I, I didn't have a strong opinion at the time when we last recorded the Oreos discussion. Gotcha. Yeah, so I wanted I fe- to put that on the record. I feel like this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I'm glad we're, we're in this together. So, this is a cubing podcast. Is it? I couldn't tell. No, you're right. Let's talk about something else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we're going to start with world records like we usually do at yep. this point in the podcast. The past month of world records. Yeah, which most of which was nationals. And by nationals, I mean either USA or German. Yeah. And nice. then some other comp. But um, <laughs> Cuban USA nationals had a pretty good deal of world records. Um Stanley Chapel decided it was about time to break the single and average uh, record for four blind again, so yep. he did that. Um, and I respect that decision. It's a good call. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I should probably make that decision sometime. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it just feels so natural to say it that way when it's like literally him and then nobody yeah. even close to him. <laughs> just kind of like you know what? It's about time we break this record. Um, <laughs> like it's it's basically Felix in 2010. Yeah, with that re- event right now, it's just it's broken. I imagine people will catch up to him, kind of like how Three Blind kind of blew up a couple years ago, where everyone was like, "Yeah, let's all learn three style." Mm-hmm. Um, and like speed optimal three style outs. I imagine it'll happen, but uh, it's going to take some time. I don't even know what the chronological order is for the rest of these things. Did German nationals happen before or after US? It was the same weekend. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> well. the date for the uh, the German nationals record was a day after. Okay. So. So let's do the Nats ones first. Okay. Uh, Max Park got a 7x7 seven seven single world record. Mm-hmm. Max Hilliard got a three-blind single world record. Yep. Um, was Juan Pablo at U.S. Nats, or was that a different comp? No, he was at U.S. Nats. Okay. Juan Pablo yeah. got a bunch of Mega Minx world records. Mm-hmm. Um, very close to single, right? But he got a sub-30 average. Didn't quite get the single. No, he, he got a 31 average at uh, Nationals, but then followed it up with a new world record that was still not quite sub-30. Oh, really? I thought he actually got sub-30. No. Uh, unless it just very recently happened, and it's not on uh, the WCA yet, but <laughs> uh, I haven't heard about it. Okay, in that case, never mind. I thought I saw like 29.77 or something somewhere, but maybe that was just a single. So Megaminx average world record is getting very close to sub-30. And one that was pretty surprising for me was mm-hmm. Sebastian Weyer. 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 Vire, Sebastian Vire, <laughs> getting a 4x4 four four single world record. It felt like 4x4 four four has been stalled for so long, and now all of a sudden it's not. I hadn't noticed that there hadn't been that many records, but I guess the last time that we had a record was in May. So Yeah. So, yeah, it's not like, I guess it's not that long. but It's not ridiculously long, but it felt like people were breaking 4x4 four four records left and right, and then it just stopped. And it, I like mm-hmm. it. It especially stopped at a point when I wasn't expecting it to. What is the four x four world record average right now? Twenty one thirteen. Okay, that's about where I'd expect it to be. But it <laughs> felt like I don't know. It felt like there was just a, a long stretch of time when Felix, Max Park, and Sebastian Weyer were all just getting a ton of four x four singles and and averages and trading them back and forth, and then. It kind of stopped. Uh, the dates of the most recent single world records, so obviously August 2nd was the most recent one by Sebastian. Uh, May mm-hmm. 27th uh, was Max Parks before that. And then April 21st for Sebastian. Um, this was the big gap was from... Um, oh, wait. I'm stupid. The year changed. Oh. You're right. Oh, that's wait. May 27th, 2018. Oh wow! So it's been more than it a has. year since okay, the last. Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay. Wow. That, that, I'm glad that I wasn't. I, that's that's what it felt like, but I, I didn't. I wasn't confident. No. Yeah. You know, this is the first four by four world record in over a year for either single or average. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for the confusion. Uh, I'm. I I cannot read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am yeah, so that, that 4x4 single really came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't. I, th- I felt like people had stopped practicing or something. Um. No. I, I guess, yeah, that is really surprising now. Especially when you think that um, 
like May 27th, like we went, the summer is when like all the big comps happen and people are going to comps left and at least the world-class people are going Mm -hmm. to comps all the time. Um, So it's when you expect records to be broken. Yeah. So we had a full summer with like nothing. And And then then... we made it through, we almost made it through another full summer without anything. (laughs) When you put it that way, it is pretty surprising. (laughs) You never know, I guess, with a single. Yeah, singles. Still no movement on the average front. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's the other thing too is there hasn't been an average record broken in over a year. Yeah. So I, I actually, I don't know. This is just speculation at this point, but I feel like the records might have gotten to a point where the best solvers were kind of frustrated by parity on four by four. Yeah, maybe. Um, because it is a much larger percentage of your solve than something like six by six. Um, so I feel like that might be a reason people stopped. It was just too frustrating to have like an otherwise good average be ruined by parody. Um, might be a reason to prioritize other events. Yeah. I, I could, I could see Max and Felix stopping, but I feel like Sebastian's probably been grinding four by four the most out of anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, I, I think it's probably the event he is the most capable of breaking records in where Max and Felix have other events that they're, equally or more capable of breaking records in so i can see that um which also explains why sebastian was the next to break one Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know um the one record that we have not mentioned yet was daniel rose levine getting feet world record average at nationals cubing usa nationals to be specific and uh yeah so might be one of the last feet world records if the event is going so what is like the official status of that right now? Has there been anything since the initial like announcement that that it was possibly being removed? That is a great question. Uh I don't know to actually be perfectly honest, but um from a lot of like sort of the discussion that happens in Facebook groups, um it seems like that it is going to go through another process to determine if it really should be removed. Okay. Just because of kind of the the backlash that they got when they did, it, you know, put forth that they were planning on removing it. I mean, it was definitely a surprise at that point. Oh, well, yeah, because it was done based on secret criteria that nobody knew about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I think they're trying to basically, it seems to me like they're doing that process again, but trying to make it more public and so that it'll be more justifiable if, I mean, justifiable if they do remove it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know because I am not in charge of that. So <laughs> that's just based on the discussions I've seen. That's what I think is the case. But there's really not been any official word on anything in particular. Yeah, Feet's yeah. another one. Actually, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't break it for so long because it felt like uh, Daniel was pretty on top of Feet, and like it felt like he could do better because he had a lot of singles that were lower than the average by a significant amount. Yeah, but Daniel just hasn't competed much since his mm, last okay. world record. Um, if you look at his competition history, I think he, let's see, he went to at least competitions with 3x3. Three three. Since the start of 2019, Nationals was his sixth. Oh, okay. Yeah, then probably not many opportunities for feet either. No, yeah, if, you, if you're just looking at feet, then he set the feet world record at Euros last summer, and then he went to... Let's let's so since then this has been one two three four five six seven. He took him eight more rounds to get world record average. 
Mm, okay. Which, I mean, it's a good amount of rounds, but it's also not an unreasonable, unreasonably like large amount either. So, yeah. Um, so I think that probably had something to do with it too. Yeah. It would be like if Stanley Chapel only went to a few competitions for blind stuff. Like no one's, no one else is going to be breaking those world records. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> just, yeah. Stanley just goes to tons and tons of comps with yeah. big point. <laughs> I mean, he travels to the Northwest for our comps somewhat regularly as long as they have big blind yeah he went to western championship yep saw him yep. there <laughs> yep so Wait, no. did i see him mm-hmm. there no that was two years ago i don't think he was actually at this last one but yeah that's that's the update on records and that's also about it for follow-up wow unless you have anything else that you didn't put in here secret follow-up topic secret follow-up no i'm good all right well i guess it's uh, okay keep your secrets um (laughs) (laughs) so i had i had one thing i wanted to ask you about nationals you told me there isn't too much to say about it not Um, too much but i wanted to know did you see anyone from BronyCon there uh it was kind of hard to not see anyone from BronyCon. oh yeah (laughs) yeah so apparently from what I gathered, the part of the convention center we were using, um, not necessarily the main hall that we were in, but all of like the side room stuff, like the side event room and vendor rooms that were up there, those were apparently like breakout rooms for BronyCon in all the previous <laughs> years. Huh. And they, from what I heard, they were pretty upset about uh, not having as much space as they normally did. Oh. And they were pretty crammed into the space they were in. So did you have like people wandering into those rooms thinking they would be BronyCon things? I didn't hear or... anything about it, but um, I watched some video where there was a BronyCon guy that was like, hey, let's just go check out the cubing competition. I don't know how I stumbled upon this video, but um, they basically they walked by those rooms. And they were like, hey, guys, we got to be quiet through here because they're doing like quiet stuff in that room. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. They were just ta- like apparently someone had told them previously to be quiet. Um, I didn't hear any of those incidents though. I think it might've been just like other parents that were outside the room that might've told them to keep it down. Okay. Cause, uh, I never heard anything about there being noise issues in the side room because of BronyCon people, but that room was one of the closest rooms that we had to BronyCon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you know of anyone who attended both? <laughs> uh, Yes. I mean, you don't have to like tell me who specifically because I don't. I don't want to like. Well, you didn't you know, ask specifically, so I didn't give you. Yeah, that's on. all right. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't. I, I was just curious if you did. Cause... Yeah, there were there were some people that did attend both that I was aware of. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had my own encounter with bronies um, oh, recently. Yeah, well, kind of indirectly. Mm-hmm. So this podcast I told you that I'm starting. at uh, I told you about at the start of the show. Do you remember that? That was like 15 minutes ago. Um, I can't say I remember. Did they like sponsor us or something? <laughs> oh yeah, right. It was a sponsor read, so you probably weren't paying attention. Yeah, probably. Um, anyway, uh, the name of that podcast is The Cult of the Clock Tower. Okay. That was not my first choice for a name. Um, my The first name I thought of was The Clock Tower Society, which I thought had a nice ring to it. Um so naturally, I googled it to you know see if there was any like overlap with anything else, if it could be confusing, or if like how my you know SEO would be if people searched for it. 
and it turns out that's the name of a brony bdsm community so oh yeah i changed that (laughs) (laughs) really (laughs) yeah it was uh looked like a big deal i didn't investigate very much (laughs) i see you weren't curious i i was curious but not that curious ah i see (laughs) i see I mean, hey, if if you're not hurting anyone else, I'm you do whatever you want, guys. Uh, <laughs> if you're not hurting, well, not hurting anyone who doesn't. Oh, I and, thought you said anyway. like hurting, like H E R D. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I really have the uh, the pony uh, uh, image in mind right now. Yeah. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Was there more to this story, or are we just going to end it off? No, I just thought I just wanted to share that. Oh, okay, Uh, cool. I didn't have anywhere else to share it. Uh, Um, (laughs) You don't have any friends to share fun stories like this with? No, I don't have any friends. That's unfortunate. Uh, Yeah, it's really sad. I just play my eight-player clock tower game by myself. (laughs) Um, You know, I hear that uh, they have this thing called BronyCon. You might be able to meet some friends there. You know, I'll check that out. Yeah. You know, when... actually, I, I I'm pretty sure the Brony that was the last BronyCon. It was, or at least, yeah. I mean, it was the last BronyCon that was done by that group. But there are other th- they don't call them BronyCon, but from what I've heard of, of other people that were ta- talking there, that they, um, there are other Brony or like My Little Pony feet like specific conventions. Hmm, uh, they okay. just don't call them. I'll have to check those out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's that was the point in me bringing this up yes you should check those out <laughs> yep um, yeah and if you do ask them about the cult of the clock tower <laughs> hey so speaking of ethical dilemmas um yeah i have a topic down here that i put in that i put in after western championship okay specifically about two by two but also it kind of applies to other things basically the question is what do you think someone should do if, when they're inspecting a puzzle, they get a duplicate scramble, or they think they have a duplicate scramble? Uh, um, panic. Um, <laughs> but um, there's no good way to deal with duplicate scrambles. Um, so I think the the best situation is you are filming yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm filming myself and I am like less than ninety percent sure that this is a duplicate scramble, I'm just gonna do it, right? Okay. And I'll figure it out pretty quick, and then we can at least be like, "Here's video A and video B. Look, they're the same." Because um, mm-hmm. that, that that's like the most recoverable, but that is also a giant pain to deal with. So I think that if you are dead certain it's a duplicate scramble, I will just say stop right there and be like, "Yes, this is a duplicate." Mm -hmm. um and like it's tricky because then how do they really know for sure it's a duplicate and you're not just being like hey man this scrambles ass i'm just gonna say it's a duplicate yeah right like that's the that's the the trouble right um but at the same time you're also if you're stopping this all right there you're kind of risking getting dnf'd too Mm mm-hmm because you're just forfeiting the attempt to report it as duplicate. So there's some level of honesty to that. But then, like, if that becomes the meta where you just everyone gets an extra for that, then 
dishonest people may do it too so i don't know right um it's really tricky and we like to do as much verification as possible when people do get duplicates but i think that i more prefer people who can tell me it's a duplicate straight up and also i prefer when i have scramblers that have some idea of what they are doing and can tell me like do you think it's plausible that you might have done the wrong scramble for this person because one of the easiest ways you can tell it probably happened is if they're a solve ahead or a solve behind most people uh because that's the most common cause of duplicate scrambles is just the scramblers getting a rhythm of doing a particular scramble yeah and they just autopilot and do the same scramble even though it's right not the one they're supposed to So that's something i typically look for when duplicates come up is kind of like what scrambles are mo- people mostly on at this moment in time Because if they're behind Mm -hmm. or if they're ahead, then I know which scramble they likely got duplicate if they did get a duplicate. And I can ask them what, like, um, well, assuming they solved the scramble, I can ask them what did it look like. Mm -hmm. Um, If they did, then I can literally check and see if that verifies my theory. But, yeah, duplicate scrambles suck. Um, I really want to make better checks for making sure that that doesn't happen. The reason I thought of this was at Western Championship, I think, mm-hmm. unless it was another competition, it's been a while, um, but there was a competition where we were doing two-by-two, two, mm-hmm. and a lot of people got quote-unquote duplicate scrambles. Oh, but they were similar scrambles? got re-scrambles. Yeah, it was just similar scrambles. Yeah. And so a lot of people were like, hey, I got a duplicate scramble here. Yep. And I don't know exactly how the organization team and delegates and stuff dealt with it because I wasn't really involved. I just heard about Mm -hmm. it. But yeah, so I was just like, and the thing is, it was both of the scrambles were pretty easy scrambles, which is why people were so easily able to recognize them as duplicates. Right, right. Yeah, that's normally the case when this happens with two by two. Yeah. So it's like. What do you if you get a duplicate easy scramble? You don't want to miss out if it's just like a similar easy scramble. Right. You don't want to miss out on your easy thing. Well, if I'm recording, I just do it then. Yeah. It, so I guess it's good to record. Yeah. Um, no, I think recording yourselves is such a good failsafe always to make sure you have yeah. evidence of what happened. Um, I should probably stop being lazy and start recording myself again. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like for me, like the easiest thing for me to do is just have like the head mounting GoPro. Because mm-hmm. it's something you barely have to think about. Yeah. Um. I barely do recordings for like watching later, or I like I maybe upload like point one percent of my recording solves. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't really do it for my benefit or anything, or my like creation of videos or anything. I just do it to make sure I have a record if I need it. Yeah. So I guess there really isn't a good solution to that. Um, not particularly record like record your solves then you can like solve whatever you want you don't have to worry about it right Um, because like imagine you solve that cube and you're like i think it was a duplicate yeah like that would be such a pain to try to figure out because like on one hand if i'm pretty sure that it was done correctly i could just bring out both scrambles and be like did you get these scrambles or something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they'll be able to tell like oh yeah this one step differed or something yeah you know um there's an interesting thing for me in three by three the way i solve the cube depends a lot on how i pick it up initially just because i'm not good and i don't (laughs) like think about optimizing that all that much yeah you just whatever the good start you see first is that's what you're gonna do yeah yeah so it's like i often have wildly different solutions depending on how i pick up the cube so sometimes i might see something and like 
I actually do get a duplicate scramble. Like I've done this in practice before mm-hmm. where like I do the same scramble twice accidentally and then just like rotate a different way and it's like a completely different solve but the same scramble. Yeah, so sometimes it's really hard to tell. For sure. Yeah, an interesting thing too, uh, a competition I went to last weekend in was uh, Gaston Toe Twiddling. Yes, it was a three-round feet comp. Um, nice. So um, we had three by three by three feet was the main event, um, and so we had uh, basically the last two events. We had the three by three final, and then three by three with feet final right after, mm-hmm. which makes sense for it being the main event. But it also just makes a lot of sense logistically because you don't have to move the timers to the ground and then back up again. You mm-hmm. just move them to the ground and then pack them up. <laughs> So it's actually a really good logistical plan, too. Um, but anyways, five of the six competitors in the feet final were in the 3 by 3 normal final. Mm-hmm. And uh, they forgot to change scramble sets. Ooh. So they were sending out the 3 by 3 final scrambles again. And I take it eventually this was noticed, but... Eventually, but it took till solve three and one competitor noticed. Huh. So it was, it, like, that's to me is like whoa like you know when you just literally change it from hands to feet like you're solving the cube completely differently which does not it's kind of similar to like how you pick up the cube but um in that case you might actually be trying to solve it differently because with feet you're trying to be a little more efficient than you would be with your hands yeah with, with feet it's more intentional yeah right um but it's kind of the same idea of like you know if you're solving it differently like you're not even going to notice um, mm-hmm. The person who noticed was Ben Gottschalk, who won the event, so he's probably solving feet, you know, closest to just how he solves three by threes normally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we had to restart the round. But uh, an interesting <laughs> side effect of it, though, was that um, a lot of people did really well in that round, and I think it's just because they literally got two or three warm up solves, <laughs> like <laughs> that were pseudo like seemed official at the time but weren't really official um, yeah it kind of takes takes the pressure off well it, it's also i just think too that feet differs so much depending on what mat you're using what the surface beneath mm-hmm. is um what chair you're sitting in like you have to kind of get like situated and adjusted and i think that honestly people like feet is an event that i think just like warm up in the correct um environment is really crucial and we literally mm-hmm. gave them warm up I don't know, just an interesting tidbit that I noticed from that round. There was a competition where uh, we went from mega final to 3 by 3 final, and we forgot to change the scrambles. Um, no one noticed until, like, the fourth solve. Oh, yeah? Um, they were doing mega scrambles <laughs> on a 3 by 3 Yeah. Mm. Um, they just kind of ignored the pluses, and it was just, like, R, D, R, D. R, D, U, D. all over. Yeah. All right, that's reasonable. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Competitors noticed after a while when there was, like, always just, like, a a solved block. Or not, like, a like you know, like a line of solved pieces on every scramble in the same place. Oh, yeah. Because um, people were doing the orange cross a lot because, you know, it was just, it already had two pieces in place. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um. So, going back to the feet comp, I, I just checked... Um, four of the six competitors got um, PB single and average, Ooh. and the other two were like within a second on both. Nice. So, definitely had an impact. I feel that or the scrambles <laughs> were really easy. I don't know, but um, yeah, you never know. Yeah, 
Well, I could know if I were that. Maybe they used mega scrambles accidentally. Oh, true. That 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 <laughs> definitely happens. Yep. There has been a sort of evolution going on with something we touched on very early in this podcast and haven't really talked about much since, which is smart cubes. Um, you were one of the first people to get a Gleeker cube. Um, however you pronounce that. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I'm not sure either. I, I think it's... Um, I I can't remember now, but most people say Geeker. Um, Geeker? I think. But I think... Um, when I was watching a Chinese like video of it when it was initially released, I think they were saying Geiker. Okay. But <laughs> I can't remember. I think most people just say Geeker now, so I think that's what I, we say. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so you were one of the first people to have a Geeker cube. Yes. Then you were one of the first people to have a Go cube. Yeah, I, I was a I, I was an I was a backer, but I definitely there were definitely a lot of people that got theirs before me in the mail. And you've also tried. Do you have? I don't know if you have it or if you've just tried it. A Gan three five six I. I bought it at Nets. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of have everything that's available right now. So I just wanted to check in. Well, and... I don't have the I don't have the version two of the Geeker. There were two versions released. Mm, okay. One that had a mm-hmm. stupid color scheme with like like a pink side or something dumb on it, uh, and mm-hmm. other weird crap. But um, <laughs> weird blue and green. Yeah. yeah. I saw that one. <laughs> Uh, but they released a v- version two that the stickers definitely changed. I don't know if the hardware changed much at all, but um, my Geeker version one uh, was very sad. <laughs> one of the sides doesn't detect any moves anymore. Oh, yeah it it was missing moves like crazy too. Just like v- shortly after like getting it brand new, like a day or two after. It's it was garbage. The Go Cube is a weird, weird cube. Um, this so, is in terms of like turning. Y- yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've seen it, but it's it's a pillowed cube. Right. Yeah. Um, which it is not fun to turn. <laughs> like I do not enjoy physically turning the puzzle, but in terms of move recognition, it's by far the best. Okay. Nice. It will miss moves very seldomly. Like, I've had it happen a couple times, and it happened more frequently on my old phone, but I think that was more due to the bad Bluetooth I had on that phone mm. than it was mm-hmm. the cube itself. Okay. Basically, I think that if you're trying to get a smart cube that actually works for the smart cube functions, GoCube is probably your best bet, but man, it sucks to turn. The GAN cube is somewhere in between. <laughs> um, it's definitely the most pleasant to turn. One of the strangest things, it's lighter than a 356X. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Is it magnetized? It is. Huh. Like, I don't understand how it's lighter. No clue. Makes no yeah. sense to me. <laughs> uh, but it's lighter. Um, and it's definitely a little weird to turn. Um, but it feels like a normal 3x3 by many. It's not like a 3x3 you would really like main or anything, but it's definitely a nice 3x3 to turn. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things they added with that cube, though, um, so both, one of the advantages of Go Cube and the Gan Cube is that they both have rotation sensing. So like when you rotate the cube, it'll rotate. It's on the screen as well. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. The Gan or the Go Cube is definitely better at it, though. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things I find really annoying about the Gan's rotation sensing is that um, the, it detects the um, up-down rotation purely by gravity. You can only adjust like the uh, left-right rotation, basically. 
Oh, really? You can't push it up or down. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird, too, because typically, like, you're looking down at the cube. Yeah. Which means that on the screen, it's in a really weird state at that angle. And I really wish that I could change that. <laughs> <laughs> but minor discrepancy there. GoCube gives you full, all, all dimensions are free to change in your rotation. How like um, quick is the response between like you doing a turn and it registering? Um, it's very quick on both cubes. Um, okay, it's basically instantaneous. I mean, up to like Bluetooth lag. Yeah. So like, could you do a solve competently only looking at the <laughs> version on your phone? So I do that actually. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> it, the the Go Cube is much easier to do it with. Yeah, I'd imagine so with the the nice rotation and stuff. Yeah, it's actually just that the up the moves seem to update better. Okay. Um, when I do it with my Gan Cube, it seems like like the moves do happen, but when you start doing them fast, mm -hmm. like it recognizes the move is there. It's just that it animates it slowly or poorly or something. Okay. Um, so while like yeah, it's like if you do one move and watch it on both cubes, it's it seems to be about the same time to update. Mm-hmm. But it's just Gan seems to get backed up with tons of moves if you like are turning quickly. Oh, okay. Where GoCube has that effect, but it's not nearly as bad. So that that gives me a little hope then for uh, cubing battle royale, because I feel like the, yeah. the best solution we came up with for that was to like have a real cube but look at a virtual cube. Yes. No. I th I think that the GoCube would be the ultimate cubing battle royale controller. That seems really cool. Um, it, if only it were pure, not pillowed. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing that just drives me up a wall with it is that it's not that it's pillowed. Like, I wonder if they like started with a normal three by three and started adding stuff to it. And then they were like, we need to make like, we need more space for our hardware. And then their solution. Okay. Yeah. I, I bet their solution was like, let's just make it pillowed rather than make a bigger cube. The, the, the cube is pretty small already, even with the pillowing. Like if you were to if you were to unpillow the cube, like mm -hmm. in a way that makes less space, um, it would be just ridiculously tiny. So it would make sense that they could have put it in a bigger cube, and just like oh, had a fairly reasonable totally. sized cube. Even I mean, if you just someone like... could literally just like print like three D printed parts to glue on and sticker yourself. Like, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> if someone does that, I would love it, and I would buy like I would get those printed for myself cool. because I hate how the thing turns that's a that sounds like a fun project yeah do you need a go cube to reference or <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't think i know how to use any kind of like cad software well oh, enough to oh. actually make anything but you, you sounded like you could if you like were describing this as a potential project so i meant for someone else <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to sell it to our listeners so that someone does it <laughs> oh i see i see that's that's clever i like it i like it um <laughs> So, um, anyways, back to, like, the features of it, though. Yeah. Um, the app for the GanCube is better um, in that it will save all of your stats for every solve and do, like, a video playback for it. Mm. So, like, you can, like, press a button and it'll show you your execution on that solve. Um, and it saves, at least for CFOP users, nobody has, like, a Roo or ZZ thing yet at least not built into the app um uh lucas garen made on his website like 
doesn't he have like ways you can connect to that and then do that kind he of stuff does it is currently go cube and geeker only so no gan okay uh, i'm sure he'll get gan figured out at some point but as it currently stands it is just go cube and geeker also um there is no rotation tracking on the go cube yet but what what kind of stuff does his what kind of extra stuff can you do with his website so the nice thing with his website, it's it's very basic as it stands, but um, if you've seen Jonathan Klosko's reconstruction website, mm-hmm. yeah, that is so that is a method neutral reconstruction. Um, so Lucas has just made a website that's very good at move detection, and it tracks all the moves. It also will track uh, double turns as as a different turn, which is good. Um, and uh you can immediately click the reconstruct button and it just sends all the information to Klosko's reconstructor that makes sense nice yeah so there are ways there's also some other tool that somebody made for geeker only that's a reconstruction tool and i think it does multiple methods um but yeah, as it stands currently there's like i think gocube will do cfop and layer by layer <laughs> nice plug um (laughs) but um it won't do any other methods okay um the other annoying thing about gocube 2 is that it doesn't recognize double turns at least the Mm -hmm. app doesn't so when it's move counting it'll always count u2 as two moves so it's it's just like qtm counting yeah yeah it's qtm only where gocube is or not gocube uh the gan cube is htm okay so it so. seems like um, of these cubes, the Geeker is obviously much cheaper than the others. Yes, um, but it's trash. But much worse. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like that one's not really a, even a realistic consideration. Not in my eyes. Part. People seem to enjoy it. Like, I might have just gotten a dud or something. Mm. Okay. Um, but I've definitely heard a lot of issues about move detection with it. But especially, I feel like the lack of rotation tracking for me is a kind of a deal breaker. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And then it um, just sounds like between Go and Gan, there's they're pretty similar. But yeah, those it's kind are a of like more do reliable. You, uh, yeah, do you want something more reliable or do you want more features? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, I think that like give people time and they will make good software that is better than whatever stock thing they're giving you. Yeah. Um, the other, oh, I never mentioned this too, the move um, for the, the GAN, like in terms of how it misses moves, one feature that it has over the others is it detects partial turns. Hmm. So like if you turn a face 45 degrees, it will recognize that you turned it 45 degrees. Okay. Where the other cubes only will turn like change on the screen when you make a full turn. Hmm. Okay. Um, but this creates a lot of issues, <laughs> um, because basically after, on average, after every two or three solves with my GAN cube, it will get into the state where it's just like 30 degrees off. <laughs> um, and when that happens, it will just start missing moves like crazy. I don't know why, but for some reason, when it gets just the, like a partial turn off by any amount, it blows up in your face. Um, so, and it's really annoying. Um, the app does, it's very hidden. It took me a long time to figure it out, but they have a good short way to do a reset of the cube mm-hmm. back to solve state. But man, it's like every two or three solves when I'm using it though, I have to reset it. Hmm. 
which is really irritating. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that Gan's app currently is the most featured, but I honestly don't think that you should be buying a smart queue based on the features that exist for an app because someone will, like, software is easy to improve and update. Hardware is difficult to improve. You, you can never get a hardware update without paying more for it. Yeah, or buying a new cube. So yeah. if you wanted to buy a smart cube today, I would go with GoCube. Just because it is the, for, in terms of smart cube features, it is the best. Its app sucks, the pillow sucks, but it doesn't miss moves. And you'll be able to get 3D printed extensions for the pillowing soon. Yeah, thanks to one of our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about 3Blind recently. Uh, just okay. kind of like a shower thought almost. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was that. Um, considering blind scrambles, I heard about someone who thought a scramble was worse than someone else based on, like, their buffer being solved or something. Um, the buffer being the piece that, you know, like, you have to start by, you you don't want it to be solved. (laughs) Sure, yeah. And what I was kind of thinking about is if you're optimizing just for, like, being the best in a competition. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're fast, you want to have the same buffer as everyone else. If you're faster than everyone else, like you want to be the same as everyone else, that way you can just beat them on skill. Mm-hmm. But if you're slower than the next than the best person at the competition, you should have a different buffer than them because to hope that you get better cycle breaks basically. Yeah, cuz that 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 way you can have you can win by getting lucky whereas if you're the same skill as them and you have the same buffer, you're going to solve in a very similar way and get very similar luck. So this is pretty similar to my color scheme, actually. Oh, yeah? Uh, because one of the reasons I kind of liked sticking with it is that um, it gave me a different cross color than the standard white for CFOP. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't have white on my cube. But um, even if you didn't shuffle the colors around, if you just substitute white for black, it changes the way that the, the orientation they scramble the cube in. Mm-hmm. Because now, instead of white on top, it would be yellow on top green in front yeah uh so now you get whatever the other cross color is now granted if someone's opposite uh cross they do white and yellow then it's no different (laughs) (laughs) um but for me with my color scheme i my cross color is f so um i would do the same crosses as green crossers on a standard color scheme so you end up with kind of a different selection than people who just mm-hmm. do standard white cross and have a standard yes. color scheme. Although with color neutral becoming a bigger and bigger thing, it's becoming less and less of an ordeal <laughs> or a you know, it's less of a luck a potential luck advantage, but that was definitely something I thought about uh when I went to a competition the first time and realized like, oh, I'm getting different crosses than most people because they scramble it in a weird orientation for me. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's kind of a similar idea there, too. It's like, I know I'm definitely not the fastest, but I might get better solves. Yeah. It's it's kind of like, it's kind of a weird thing to optimize for, though, because, like I said, if you are the fastest, then you want to have the same as everyone else. So it's weird to optimize for it, because it's like, the only way you do it is if you expect to be slow, in which case, why do you even care that much? Well, yeah, like... <laughs> and like, if you were like me at my first competition where I was like barely making second round, like, does it really matter? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it matters because I made round two and maybe I wouldn't have if I had a different cross color. Yeah. <laughs> um, so debatably it maybe mattered, but 
in reality, like, I don't know, probably not a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, so I guess for choosing a blind buffer, if you don't really want to put that much effort into it, maybe it's worth it to try to choose something slightly unconventional. Uh, yeah, but I think this only is, like, a big thing if you were trying to, like, if you were not quite as fast as the fastest person and you just need that little edge. Right, yeah. You know? But if you're that fast, then you probably shouldn't be planning to get second place anyway. And, like, it's not like you can switch your blind buffer easily to to account for being slightly slower than someone. <laughs> yeah, and plus, the other thing, too, is that a lot of people at that level are floating anyways. So True, yeah. <laughs> that eliminates any luck potential if they can successfully float. <laughs> so. Yeah. So then they're really just the same scrambles if you can always float to whatever your next buffer is. Huh, that's actually a really interesting point. At that, Like, uh, if it is just floating, then it's kind of... It's a very... It's almost less of a puzzle, <laughs> it feels like. Wait, what do you mean? Like, if you can float perfectly mm -hmm. on for three blind, which means switching your buffer, basically, mid-solve and stuff, um, if you can do that perfectly then there's almost like less to solve about the puzzle it's just like it's it's mechanical really at that point like a, like the scramble determines exactly how you're going to solve it i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean also your execution and your memo time matter yeah but then it's just like if it's just memo and execution then mm -hmm. but i mean you'll start in a different place every time like you might people might float differently and do different executions based on like where their buffer is right okay Makes so it's sense. not 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 i see what you're saying is it would always be the same number of algs but the algs themselves may be different that's true it's just kind of weird to think about i guess that's all of blind though is like once you know how to do blind it's just like executing a very rote set of steps yeah um I mean, it already is that to some extent but, yeah <laughs> um yeah it's funny because i like i don't think with it five years ago we thought of blind as a super scramble dependent event yeah <laughs> it totally is now <laughs> yeah <laughs> very much a scramble dependent event but yeah that's weird optimizations for slow people all right hey kit it's time for the martin Eggdoll of the day so oh, my favorite time of the day that only happens once every few weeks. <laughs> Allow me to read you a little something here. This okay. is from the most recent news article when Googling Martin Eggdoll. Okay. This is from October 14th, 2018. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's dated? Man. The winter barley has largely settled down to the ground. Oh, oh also this is translated from Danish. Okay. And despite the sun setting soon, the Lexian combine harvester still chews throughout the barley. The amount of straw is huge, and for the driver of the big baler, the task becomes easy. As the combine has not hiked quite many times on the 40-hectare field near Kvindrup in central Funen. The reason it runs so easily is clearly the cutting table, says Paul Martin Egdol, owner of Sendagger Skovgard, which runs 670 hectares of plant breeding and 1,400 lakes in propagation. For the 2016 season, he delivered a new Class Lexian 770 combine, but the machine was purchased without a cutting table. 
Having had a 40-foot sailboard from McDonough demonstration in 2014, I was pretty keen on the idea of sails, and since McDonough was able to deliver a flexible cutting table, I couldn't see the idea of a 12-meter fixed cutting table if the crop is to be assembled properly up in our fields, which is a bit hilly, says Paul Martin Egdol, about the backgrounds to the purchase. It goes on, but I think you get the idea. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, so... uh Apparently he's all about the the crops and the farms and the stuff. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Incredible. Well then, I guess it's time for my bad prediction of the day. <laughs> yes, yes it is. And it has nothing to do with wrangling crops or anything of whatever you just said. Um, I'm going to talk about the top 100 3x3 singles. Ooh, okay. At the end of 2016, you needed a 6.64 single to be top 100. At the end of 2017, you needed a 6.35 single. At the end of 2018, you needed a 5.89 single. That's a big jump. Yeah. And today, you need a 5.67 single. I'm going to be aggressive on this. I'm going to say that a year from today's date, uh, Ooh, this is August, a long-term prediction. <laughs> August 23rd, 2019, one year to today's date, you're going to need to be sub Colin Burns. 5.25. And is it 5.6 something now? It is at 5. Yes, yeah, 6.7. So that's... 0.01 above the classic Felix 5.66. I guess it is. You're right. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't think about that. Uh, see, that's that that salt doesn't ring as classic to me. I oh, guess yeah? maybe it's I, just I, maybe I just think of it as classic because it's the world record when I started paying attention. Uh, okay. <laughs> fair. Yeah. I guess because for me the classic three by three world record is 708. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's also definitely classic. Yeah. I mean that happened while I was cubing. Like, I remember mm-hmm. being a cuber and that solve happening. Hmm. So that one is just, like, imprinted within me. Okay. Like, yeah. anytime I see a 7.08 at a comp, I'm like, yep, that's an Eric solve. <laughs> uh, I feel like 5.66 is fairly iconic. Like, I feel like it was that for a long time, um, relatively speaking. I don't know. I might be way off on that, but that's my recollection. Yeah, I mean, it was for two years, Yeah. Um, for sure. I just wasn't very active as a cuber then. Okay, that um, was like right when I was starting to get active. Okay, fair. 5.55 is a little more iconic to me. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I think just the, the triple digits makes it so to some extent. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, yeah, for some reason that one... I think of that one before 5.66. Uh, this would be like a really interesting... like I don't know if you've seen like those like ranked poll voting things where like put every world record solve and rank them from most to least most to least notable interesting yeah that would be a really interesting uh ranking. i bet you definitely get a big um bias from when people started so like it would be strongly yeah. correlated with when did you start cubing yeah and i'm sure the most recent results would be super like everyone would pick those as high yeah, i don't they... i don't think i would though like i feel like None of the records recently have really felt that interesting to me. Yeah. Like the the first sub four 
is certainly interesting, but it felt like it didn't happen long enough after the first sub five to really feel that special for me. Like it wasn't, it didn't last at sub five for long enough for breaking another barrier to feel that big, big of a deal. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, yeah. Cause it went from Colin to Lucas pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, I don't know, it, it, it was funny too. Cause I mean like three by three world record was like so stagnant from 2011 to 2015. Yeah. Like Felix got it to 566, it stood there. And then Mott's got 555 and it stood there. And then Colin got 525 and then the floodgates just opened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, until recently where we had the 347. Uh Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, I think that uh I guess my bad prediction yeah is that Colin will get kicked out of the top 100 a year from today. Okay. Which Now is well, is that officially your prediction, or is your prediction that five point two five will be the threshold for being in the top one hundred? Yeah, because I, guess I did. Say Colin could stay different. in. Yeah, because Colin could stay in the top one hundred by getting a better solve. I'm gonna say he gets kicked out a year from today. Okay, so the official prediction is Colin Burns is no longer in the top one hundred on the... August twenty August twenty third, twenty twenty. Okay. We'll get back to you like 20 episodes later. <laughs> 20 episodes in one year? That's optimistic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll, okay, 15 episodes later. <laughs> Although, didn't we get tw- like almost to 20? Yeah, I think we did. Our 20th episode was posted shortly after our one year. Our first. Okay. Okay, so like 18 episodes later, I guess. All right. <laughs> um <laughs> It's also probably it's also probably a good idea to do a quick check in here with your previous predictions. Ah, fair, um, yeah. So, you have made three predictions which have been resolved so far. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The first one was Felix and Max will not win Worlds twenty nineteen. You got that one right. Four Oops. blind and five blind <laughs> means will not be broken by the end of twenty nineteen. You got that very wrong. Very um, wrong. Like you had wrong before episode released, kind of. <laughs> wrong. Yes. <laughs> um, you had that. You will podium and clock at Nats 2019. We haven't talked about that yet, but you did not do that. I didn't um, even make finals. <laughs> yes. So you got that one also fairly very wrong. Yeah. Uh, and then you now have two outstanding. You have 69 out of 69 multi blind by the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Colin Burns will no longer be in the top 100 on August 23rd, 2020. So. Yep. As far as the ones that have been resolved, you're one for three. That's fair. Uh, I think that actually this Colin one is plausible. I think so, too. It's still bad. Like, I don't think I'd put money on this. <laughs> I don't think I would put money on this at all. But now that I said it, maybe you should. Um, <laughs> um, I definitely, de- definitely think, though, that this um, could happen. It's... I, I don't. I don't think it will, though. I better start practicing. <laughs> All right, we're, we're gonna. You're gonna get a, a sub five in comp soon, then. No, just sub five point two five. It doesn't matter if it's sub five. Just, I just want to get a five point two four. Man, it's really, really setting your goals high. I see. <laughs> One thing uh, I'm running into is that now that Nats and Worlds and like big comps are over, um. It's hard to make predictions that are going to resolve very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're just like random 
I don't know, I can make record predictions, I guess, that, like, I don't know, like, the 3.74 is gonna get broken in the next five weeks or something. That'd be te- that'd be terrible. You could do stuff like X event will be broken before other event. Um, yeah, th- yeah. Something yeah. like that. I don't know, but, but let's, people in the subreddit, come give Kit ideas for not actual predictions to make, but just, like, categories of predictions and styles of predictions. Yeah, because I want them to be r- relatable. Like, because I could come up with a lot of predictions that are, like, super, you know, out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and it's also very easy to come up with predictions, like, in a year's time or by the end of the year, stuff like that. But uh, that, gets still, that's, that gets old. So, um, I don't, and you know. And it takes a year before it starts to resolve itself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we keep doing this segment for a year, like, we'll eventually have stuff resolving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the January podcast, I'll probably have a, I don't know, maybe I'll accumulate a couple end of 2019 predictions to resolve. But yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely interested though to figure out if this is a segment you like and if it's, uh, if there's types of predictions you think that would be most interesting to hear about. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, how do we end this show? <laughs> Um, I think, um, we have to do the Macarena. All right. Isn't that Uh, what we did last time? I think so. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Okay. I'm doing it right now. I I don't know how to do the Macarena. It's all right. Just say you're doing it and they'll believe us. Hey, Macarena. All right. Do we do another topic? Or do uh, we move to Endgame. Let's move to Endgame. Okay. So I saw Endgame in theaters. Um, <laughs> <laughs>